So how are you today, Josh? I'm okay. Yeah? How was your um, Passover? That's right. This is the, what is it? Like one of the most important Jewish holidays, right? It is one of the three, the three holidays where people used to walk to the temple, whatever the hell. They used to call it the, one of the <laughs> whatever the hell, <laughs> whatever the, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. It's a, it's an important Jewish holiday. Where it's we an important the, one. The goal is to remember the, our enslavement as a people and how we became free of that. Yeah. Our freedom. But not just physically, but mentally. Yes. Do you feel free? Do I feel free? I think I feel freer than those people who were enslaved back in Egypt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's all relative, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. It is all relative. It's always at spring too here. Do you remember spring here? No. What's that? Oh, it's um. so this thing happens. First, all the leaves and all the plants kind of die. What? They die for a while. And everything's all like, woo, and snowy and What? The weather changes where you are? That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So it's not nice and sunny and warm all the time. It is almost never nice and sunny and warm. What? I know. (laughs) One of the things that happens around Passover is also it's springtime, which is why, you know, on the little Seder plate, uh, there's a little green thing to remind you that it is spring. This is my very clumsy way of trying to lead us into our topic. I should say this. I led a Passover Seder last night. Oh, wow. With my housemates. Cool. Yeah, I brought my girlfriend over and there was another former housemate who's Jewish came. So we kind of sort of did it together. That's cool. I realized as much as we talked about leaders and followers last week, I don't think I'm the best leader when it comes to like a Passover Seder. You know, we said we're all good at leading in certain things and different things. You don't feel qualified for that. I feel like I'd rather follow a Passover Seder. I feel like everyone's looking to me to explain Passover, especially when there's people who have joined who don't know a ton about Passover. I'm like, oh, yeah. Why do we have the Seder plate? Uh, Well, let's look through the Haggadah and oh, there's a did you know (laughs) section. Let's read this. Oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> together, together, even though I already know what it says, but I'm totally <laughs> just going to share it with you. That's yeah, right. That's how I teach sometimes. I'm like, uh, well, you should be looking in your textbook and I'm going to look in there too. Yeah, but honestly, I think I might have forgotten. So I realized I forgot more details than I thought I would have. Yeah. There's a lot of details. It's a lot of detail. Yeah. Sure well, is, the whole yeah. point is we want to remember all of the little, you know, by really focusing on all the details and trying to make it tangible with all these physical items hmm. during the Seder. It's supposed to help, you know, really not just like remember, but really like paint a picture and feel tangible, hmm. right? The memories. So that that's why we, we've maintained these memories and traditions for what millennia. So, and they've been pretty consistent. That's such a good way of putting it because it's like, it's a very, um, like some bits of it are very, uh, what's the word? like tangible visceral but like I think my favorite especially as a kid was always the the bowl of tears so the salt water oh right so we dip we dip something in salt water and I I love salt I don't know if you remember that but <laughs> I don't I remember salt, that you so I'm salt. always happy to <laughs> don't remember that I love salt no? it was a thing it was a thing in high school really? I, used to, I, I used to have like those little packets of salt and I would add them oh. to everything Maybe I imagine that people carry more than I. Well, last night, I mean, I literally forgot the salt water until the Haggadah said, oh, my oh, now dip it in the salt water. I was like, oh, guys, we need salt water. <laughs> That's how the Seder <laughs> went to give you an idea. You just ran to the ocean, scooped up some salt water. <laughs> but we all had a great time singing. Who knows? One. I know one. One is a sham. One is a sham. One is a sham. That's enough. Okay. Come on, Aya. Finish it up. <laughs> in the heaven and the earth. Ooh, ah. 
Ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I already reached my quota for singing. Oh no, the Taylor uh, Swift last week wasn't enough for you? That was more than enough, yeah. Uh, we're still waiting to hear from her lawyers. <laughs> Welcome back to Adulthood Friends. This is the discussion-based podcast where two former childhood acquaintances, now friends, discuss the things that, Josh, adverb? Uh, certainly. Certainly matter. Certainly matter. We haven't done that one before, right? Certainly matter. I guess not. I guess we should probably start keeping track of that, yeah. <laughs> certainly is our adverb of the week. Yes, certainly is our adverb of the week. And I'm Aya. I'm Josh. And uh, welcome to episode 15. 15. 15. Yeah. That's a big deal. Is it? It feels like a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. Feels like a big deal. And we're doing kind of um, a, a more intense topic to not celebrate, but whatever the <laughs> let's sad yeah. version of celebrating is. <laughs> let's celebrate let's, this. Let's sad with... celebrate episode 15 <laughs> by talking about some deep, some deep, dark, heavy corners of our minds. Heavy material. Yes. And uh, today our topic is trauma. Trauma. So, Not drama, but, yeah. but trauma. Not drama. No. Trauma. Sometimes there's some drama involved in trauma, but that's... Yeah, or some trauma involved in drama. Ooh, but... that's, that is true. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so kind of the nature and origin of trauma in our own lives. And does it ever go away for us? And um, I'd like to say right from the start that neither of us is qualified in any psychological sense to speak of. Meaning we're not like, like to, we're not trauma expert. We're not like, this is not our job. Yes. We're just, uh, but that's this podcast. We just talk yeah. about important stuff, whether or not we should be. Exactly. <laughs> Discussion based. That's that. And we're talking about personal experience and things like that. And, yeah. you know, maybe what we've read in a book is the extent <laughs> of our expertise are you saying basically you just want to get at in case we are accidentally insensitive yep because yeah i guess there could be in should case, we do like a little yeah. trigger content warning here because it could be talking about some stuff oh yeah that could be that's a good idea too yeah well literally could bring back some traumatic memories yeah it could trigger some things so yeah and i kind of just wanted to say that as well because i don't know who's clicking on this and i just want you guys to know we are not neither of us is a counselor or trauma specialist trauma specialist uh, except for maybe <laughs> no. i don't know if that e exists or uh... you're a drama specialist but not a trauma specialist right i gotta stop with I this guess. terrible I'm, joke i'm neither so bad. i don't know why but you might be a drama specialist <laughs> i don't know why either but i think we're just you're all about that drama i think Aya, right i'm i'm just like i am so into the drama yeah. that yeah. i just like i can't not bring it up all the time god so much drama yeah. So much drama. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> okay. And we're back. So Josh. Yes, Aya? You've told me before that this time of year reminds you of something. Do you feel like talking about that a little bit to us? Yes, us? that's such a yeah. nice way of, of, of introing this. <laughs> Uh, was it i don't good. know how to it's do good. it you're good with the segues <laughs> thanks that wasn't really a... you're the segue queen that's my hope one day to be a segue queen yeah all right well dr ishai i think i should call you dr ishai this episode because i feel like i'm okay. i feel like i'll be talking to a therapist this is what it's gonna feel like is this you calling into okay uh today on our radio show we've got um we've got M mr joshua litman calling in uh josh <laughs> Joshua, are you there? Are you there, Mr. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. Yeah, hi. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. I just wanted to say I'm a real fan. 
real fan of adulthood friends. Oh, I'm so happy to hear yeah. that. Thanks. Thank I'm you. I'm really a big fan of, uh, yeah. of, of, of Dr. Ayala Ishai. Oh, well, thank you. That's, yeah. that's really wonderful. She's got such a, she's a great okay. voice. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm turning into Woody Allen, I think, as I talk here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what were you calling in about today, Mr. Lipman? Oh, am I, am I saying that correctly? It's, yeah. Lip really man? good emphasis on the man. I appreciate that. Lipman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. I guess I just wanted to share with you a whole bunch of traumatic experiences. Okay, yeah. Well, that's what we're here for today. Oh, wonderful. That's what we're here for today, wonderful. Joshua. Yeah. Look at you. Really are about yeah. the drama. Look at this. But more like we are about the like drama, drama so. like a like high school drama. High school drama. Like, like the class. Hmm, I'm not sure what you're referring to, sir. But uh, that's okay. Do you wanna Do you wanna start with really uh... keeping character here? That's really I like it. Oh, I'm I'm still not sure what you're talking about, but that's okay. Do you um Do you feel that we're in some sort of other show right now? Do you feel that we're in some podcast? It seems like you think we're somewhere other than where we are right now. So uh, we've called into the show. Yeah, I'm a little confused. And, I have to um, admit, it's true. Yeah, so okay. hopefully you can help me doctor okay yeah well what's what's uh what's on your mind what kind of doctor are you again uh it's better not to doctor know. of what what is it it's i'm a doctor of philosophy it's <laughs> exactly what i was looking for perfect oh, good. <laughs> i think that's the only person who can help me today <laughs> <laughs> okay let's, let's keep running with this all right should we stop like 10 minutes ago no i that? no okay. we definitely have to get the fun out of the way now because do you feel better if we go into that space of things not actually? <laughs> it's okay. So real, I'll get so back you... to your question, which right. I guess, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Passover is, we've talked about that at the beginning. And I guess it's no coincidence that, well, okay. So the, the truth is the first night of Passover is actually a little bit of a, well, Passover itself brings back some traumatic memories for me because my mother died on the first night of Passover. So it's true, whenever actually this holiday comes around, all those memories kind of come back. And I just get this feeling like the, it's already kind of like the holiday is already about like, you know, we were enslaved and we have to remember the bitterness of slavery yeah. by eating this thing. And it's weirdly apt. I don't know. So I, sometimes I can't tell if it's just the holiday that feels this way or I feel especially this way because of what happened. But um, yeah, it's, I guess, you know, given this time of year, it's, it's maybe is a good time to reflect on uh, this experience and trauma in general. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about the, um, I mean, I've heard us, obviously I know what Passover is and how we're remembering the enslavement, but I only, only while we were doing the intro, did I actually make that connection mm. that, you know, you've had probably felt like you were suddenly, well, I guess I'll, I'll let you get into that, but. It's an interesting thing about holidays in general, but Jewish holidays, there's some really strong themes there. And it's so, so strong, I actually have taken, um, I guess we'll probably get into my story, but I've taken that and I've actually put it into a script. Mm. That means it's not like an autobiographical script. It's, you know, inspired by the events that happened in my life. But I've worked Passover right. into the script as well. And the themes of Passover oh, okay. and the way they relate, which is very interesting. Oh, wow. That's cool. I'm... That's the um, snow falling on tulips, which you it's mentioned. It's called when snow falls on tulips, and I guess we'll. Uh... Oh, sorry, when snow falls. Yeah, on no, tulips. it's okay. and and I guess we'll get into why it's called that because there's a very specific reason. Okay. I don't even know if I've told you the full story before. Like you have mentioned on the podcast before, your mom passing away when you mm -hmm. were 16, I think it was, and I honestly, I mean, as 
good friends as we are now, I actually, I've never heard the entire story. Oh. And um, I mean, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to hearing it because it's exciting. Uh, it's filled with twists <laughs> <really> and turns. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I am interested in hearing about it because I think this shaped a lot of, it must have affected you quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those kinds of things are always of interest, especially to the people closer to you. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've been wanting to hear this story and we kind of mentioned that we would talk about it with trauma. You no, know, no, the truth is oftentimes sharing, like anybody, like, like any friends, when you share stories like this and you, and you dive in deep with people's past and, and their trauma, you get closer. Yeah. So uh, I hope everybody prepares to get real close to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're about, <laughs> about to, to get real, real close. You're about to get close with another 50 to 100 people. A lot of people with stuff like this, they can't talk about very easily. And other people, they can, you know, it depends. Yeah. I don't have I, I've talked a little bit. I mean, we had the mortality episode where Pierce came on and mm. I feel, you know, that was more his story. But there was a little bit there that, you know, I, I remember saying to relate and, you know, talking about how experiences like that can help bring about certain self-awareness but yeah okay so yeah well we can dive into it and if you have any questions just like interrupt me at any time because i i'll just raise oh yeah what's that is that a question do you have a question you have multiple questions questions. (laughs) i have multiple questions uh yeah i already have some questions but i kind of want to give you a chance to to start i know you're usually pretty comfortable okay well talking so <laughs> I shouldn't say that I'm gonna try to be less of a jerk to you this or should I be meaner to kind of it's true you know what the great thing is you know when you talk about your trauma everybody's uh everybody's so much nicer to you he's real nice Crazy. all of a sudden yeah all right so let's get into- I'll try to be as mean as possible yeah then. be okay. extra mean to be different <laughs> okay so <laughs> I guess we started with Passover so the truth is yeah the very first night of Passover yeah. so let's see if it's Let's flash back here. It was 2005. I was 16 years old, living at home with my, my two young, I have two younger brothers, Daniel and Alex. Uh, Daniel was 14 at the time and Alex was turning 13 soon. So he was going to have his bar mitzvah that year. In fact, we were planning as a family to go to Israel to celebrate his bar mitzvah, if I recall correctly. And another important thing to mention was my grandmother. So my mother's mother had been living with us for many months. She had Alzheimer's. And so my mother and father made the choice to have her come live with us. You know, that was at the time, a bit of a struggle. You know, I used to play cards with my grandmother all the time. And it got really hard to keep doing that with her because she kept accusing me of cheating. Oh, really? And my mother would be like, just keep playing, just keep playing with her. Hmm. But you know, that anyway, that was, that was something else we were dealing with at the time. And you know, I might jump around in time a little bit here when telling this, but it was the first night of Passover. So I remember we had like the a Passover uh, meal, like a Seder, as we as we call it. So I was at the Seder with me, my brothers, my mother, and my grandmother. I remember my dad was also taking like a while to like join us because he he was actually packing his bags to go on a work trip like the next morning. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure you know there was a lot of tension between my parents. They fought a lot, and my dad especially didn't care for like the you know the religious stuff. My mom actually really cared about following traditions and making that a part of our family. So anyway, she was very adamant about us doing this Seder. And 
the Seder went, you know, it was, it went well. I'm pretty sure. I think I was actually okay. I think my brother Daniel was like a little in trouble with my mother at the time for, for something. I don't know. Usually somebody was in trouble for something with her. Oh yeah. What did he do? Or I can't remember what like... he did. I can't remember what it was, but I think he was, I think he yeah. was grounded. I think he got grounded. Uh-huh. And um, one of you usually yeah, was. Yeah, usually it was me. Yeah. I'm usually the one to go. Actually, he, he got grounded at least. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah, Daniel. I guess I talked back. That was my thing. I remember in the last episode, we right. talked about how I always yeah. <laughs> I need to, I just can't defer to authority. I have to question it all the time. My mom called it talking back. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I got really excited about the holidays. I loved when we got together to do this and sing all the songs. And I do remember asking this one weird question during the dinner because we we would go around and have everybody read different things. And we get to my grandmother and she kept kind of like messing it up because of her Alzheimer's. Like it wasn't, it seemed kind of, and I remember asking my mother at the table, like, do you think maybe we should, she shouldn't, I think, I I think it was her reading in Hebrew was sounding weird. And I was like, maybe she shouldn't read it in Hebrew or read it at all. Like, I don't remember what I asked, but she was like, she basically just said this at the table. She was like, just let her, because, you know, she probably won't be with us next year. Mm. It sounds weird to say kind of at the table. My grandmother was pretty out of it. She didn't register a lot of stuff because of of, uh, uh, the dementia. Yeah. So cut to the end of the night, we had our Seder. We went to sleep. I remember actually saying goodnight to my mother. I came down. Mm. She was up usually very late. She she was up into the night on the computer. And she was out on the couch. Okay. And I remember coming down to say goodnight to her. And it was actually, it was, it was, I remember it was a nice uh, moment. I said goodnight, went to bed. I woke up, I think it must have been like three in the morning, three something in the morning, middle of the night, to a loud sound. Mm. I thought for some reason, I thought some like dishes or something fell downstairs. I thought something, you know, so I kind of like jolted awake and I just kind of peeked. My door was ajar so I could like see, you know, I, I leaned forward in bed and I could see that someone was lying on the, on the floor in our hallway upstairs. And just to give you a picture of our hallway, there was like, it's like, it's kind of a center area. And then there were different rooms around that center. So, you know, my brothers each had rooms leading to that hallway my parents room as well in the office from what I understand my mother was previously in the office on the computer anyway I came out and it was her lying on the floor face down and you know I obviously went up to her kind of like shook her shoulder and she wasn't she didn't move so I of course went and I got my dad went to go wake him up and I remember trying to wake up my dad my dad came out he was like very tired and he was just like Josh what are you doing like let me I'm like no you have to come out right now um like mom's like it was weird to say, like, mom's on the floor, lying on the floor. She, yeah. She's just on the floor. He's yeah. like, what? He's like, whatever. Can we just talk in the morning? <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, Dad, you have to. He's like really out of it, right? I really woke him up in the middle yeah, of the yeah. and had to like convince him. He's like, what? Oh, okay, hold on. And he got, he got out of bed and came with me. And then it started to register. And together we, mm-hmm. we turned her over. She was just lying. Mm-hmm. And when we turned her over, to our relief, she came to. Oh, okay. Yeah, she did. She she came too. And interesting to note, there was like a little spot of blood on the carpet there because she, I guess when she fell, she fell, I guess she, and she cut her lip, I think. And that left a, there was just this like blood on the carpet. Anyway, so she was there, but she was a little out of it, but we were relieved because we were like, oh, we thought something happened to her. <laughs> and then uh, mm-hmm. we started talking to her, but she was a little out of it. And I remember asking my dad, like, do you think I should, should I call the ambulance? And he was like, I don't know. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. Yeah. Like, 
we were like yeah. like is this something that we were just like is she okay she as she was coming too she seemed like yeah. maybe she was okay and she was she was you know first she was a little, oh like she just yeah, we yeah I guess maybe she, she passed yeah, out you never know we were confused yeah. or if she fell yeah. we didn't know what had happened right she was just like lying on the floor face yeah. down so I kind of went into the other room and I called them but I was so I've never called the you have to understand I never called 911 in my life so I called 911 and I was like hey they're like oh what is your emergency all that stuff and I was like hi I'm just to be clear I'm not sure uh it's an emergency maybe I shouldn't even be calling you I was like I was like just let you know I think I have my mother chief and I was trying to explain it and then I they called me from the other room and I was like you know what never mind don't worry about it and they like hung up at the time I wasn't sure if I'd even called like if you do that do they come like I wasn't sure yeah so I came back and I guess um my mother started to she felt pain Weirdly enough, that's why I stopped. Uh, I think mm. that's why I stopped talking to them to because my mother was feeling pain. Uh, she was having trouble breathing, and she st- it started getting worse. And I was trying to figure out. My me and my dad were like, you know, what does she need? And she eventually started kind of crying out that she couldn't breathe very well. It hurt to breathe. And again, I was very confused. It woke again. She started getting louder, and it woke up my brother Alex. I remember he got up first, and he came mm. out, and you know, we were surrounding her, and then. She started screaming some more and it woke up my brother, Daniel. And all of us were like standing around her basically. And she started screaming, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. We're like, you're not going to die. I remember I said that to her, I was like, you're not going to die. And she, and that was, uh, <laughs> of course, as we used to, you know. I, well, I mean, I was, that is what you say, even if you knew. Like, I, I didn't think I had no, I was like, I'm like, okay. You know, like you're, no, something not. hurts, yeah. whatever, you're not, you know. Uh, but anyways, at that point, I remember thinking, so my dad, I remember he was like, so did you call the ambulance? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Did you? He's like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I called them or not. Like I was, so I went back and I called them again. Yeah. <laughs> but this time I was like, yeah, come. But they were like, I think they already were coming. I think that they're, if you called, Probably, they were already yeah. on their way. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I remember literally going down, running downstairs to try to grab her an ice pack or something. Cause she was, again, she was screaming in pain and, uh, I literally, when I've tried to pass by her, she, she said, I love you to me. And, uh, I said, you know, I love, I very, I was like, love you too, (laughs) but she did. Um, yeah, I went, I went down, I got the ice back. I came back. I remember I was like in my boxer, like I, in my sleepwear, like, (laughs) you know, I was basically in my underwear and Mm -hmm. I remember it was getting very bad. She was screaming. She was in pain. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. The ambulance felt like it was taking forever to come. So I literally, I remember running outside just to, you know, I was very frustrated. <laughs> the ambulance wasn't there. I ran yeah. outside in my underwear and it was snowing, which was very weird because like you mentioned before, Passover, this is springtime. This was the end of April, beginning of May, mm-hmm. you know, like this was springtime and our tulips were out, you know, they come out just in, you know, for a few weeks in spring. And I, I just remember this image of it snowing on our tulips. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where that came from. And I'm pretty sure I like yelled for the ambulance, like where the, where the hell's the ambulance, right? Yeah. They just weren't there. And then I heard my mother scream really, really loudly. Um, just kind of one last really loud scream. And I, I went running back upstairs and she went quiet basically. Just, and her face looked very weird, her like glazed over. And um, it was very noisy before that. She was yelling. Everyone was bustling about. It suddenly went totally quiet. And I remember just being like, is she okay? 
I asked my dad, is she fine? He's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, well, is she, is, is everything okay? She can be all right. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. That's why he didn't have an answer. Yeah. And I just remember when she did that too, he was, this was, this was very haunting. This is one of the things that actually haunts me still. My dad was holding her on the ground there and he, uh, when she stopped yelling, he just, so my mom's name was Jeanette. And so he, he said, uh, he was just like, Jeanette, Jeanette. And he was like, his voice was cracking. He was trying to like, she, and she wouldn't answer. And that was very, yeah, that, that still haunts me to this day. Anyway, the weird thing is, it's not like as soon as that happened, the ambulances showed up, we were still waiting for the ambulance and we were just yeah. there with her and uh, oh my God. we didn't know what to do. Yeah. So literally I remember like pacing back and forth in the room, looking out the window, coming back, looking out the window. Uh, yeah. This is the part, you know, in the movies, when you see this happen, this isn't usually what, <laughs> you know, the waiting <laughs> is not what you see. Yeah. Right. And I remember say, I remember yeah. being the one to try to like, I was like, guys, she's, it's probably, she just like passed out. You know how it is in the movies, right? One goes unconscious, the ambulance comes, they wake him up, she'll be okay. So I was telling my, my family, yeah. she'll be fine. Eventually they did show up. Again, it was a very slow process. They got out really slowly. They pulled out the stretcher really slow. Oh Everything my God. Was super what? slow. I just it's... remember it being... Very like yeah. in my mind, I'm like you gotta, you know, fast, right? But they yeah. came and they they took her. Basically, they asked if one of if if someone would come to the hospital like with them, like ride in the ambulance with them. And for some reason, there was like a question of whether it would be me or my father. And I almost went with, mm -hmm. but in the end, my dad went with. I think that makes sense. But anyways, it was just it was, at the end. Yeah. It was just me and my so my brothers and I. We were just back at home alone. Actually, yeah. that's not true. I I totally forgot to mention. So my grandmother was again in the house the whole time. And she was in one of those rooms in the yeah. hallway and she slept through the entire thing. Yeah. There was screaming and everything, oh but she slept through yeah. it. She was in her room. The door was closed yeah. and it was right outside her door too. Jeez. So I literally, I just remember my brothers went to play like video games. Like we get, it was very strange. Like we were just suddenly home alone in the middle of the night waiting. Both our parents were gone. We were just waiting. Yeah. And after some time, I don't know if it was a half an hour, an hour. Again, it's getting to be morning, right? Mm -hmm. There was a knock, a knock at our door. And we went, I went to go open the door and there was two police officers there and one took off his hat. It's like, you've seen this before, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? And he was like, uh, he's like, may, may we come in? And I was like, uh, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, they came to our kitchen table and my brothers and I sat around again. We were all in our underwear. <laughs> and the officer was like, so um, we come to tell you that uh, your mother was in the ambulance and, you know, they they did everything they could, but uh, she didn't make it. And then there was this like awkward silence. I remember like, I didn't respond. Like the, I remember my brother, Alex tear came yeah. out or something. Like he cried a little bit. It was just kind of like, I guess it was, it was a shock. Of course. Yeah. And immediately my, I remember my brain going yeah. into like pragmatic mode. What, what do we, what do I do? How do we, you know, anyways, the officers also asked if they could take a look around the house. This one of the, mm. not just that, sorry, before that, they asked for a statement. So I'm the one who gave the statement. So I had to then tell mm. them exactly what happened that night. So I guess that's the first time I told oh, the story wow. was to the officer. Yeah, that's what this is. This is actually just a statement that you're giving right now. Yeah, I'm just giving you my statement. Yeah. And then uh, I explained what happened and he asked to be shown around. I just remember what really bothered me when he was being taken around is he kept his boots on and they were kind of muddy and we had carpeting. He was just like walking on our carpet. Mm. I just remember, should I say something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's weird how the regular things exactly. go away when you're in like they don't show this in the you know? movies again yeah well they do in some if it was a coen brothers film maybe be like um do you mind taking off <laughs> i don't know basically my life is a coen brothers movie <laughs> yeah that makes sense so yeah i showed him around i just remember there was he kept seeing things and taking notes and i could tell things looked suspicious <laughs> to him like he was when he was looking around oh. so he came up to my dad's room and he had all these bags that were packed because he was going on a trip oh the next yeah, right because he was going on a trip yeah and then he saw on the carpet there was that spot of blood and then we went to in in the bathroom there was this i thought it was like i guess it must have been like makeup stain but it looked kind of like blood in there or something mm. i just remember every time he saw one of these things he started writing notes and i'm thinking what is he writing what's he writing why is he writing that <laughs> what is he <laughs> anyway eventually um we came back down. I got a phone call from my um, my dad in the hospital. And he was, my dad was just broken. He did not, like he didn't, uh, yeah. he had no idea what to do. He was so, out, he was so confused. He was like trying to tell me what happened. I'm like, I know the cops are here. They just told us. Yeah. We were trying to figure out like, what happened? Why did it happen? And they were saying it was her leg. She had a blood clot in her leg, which now I, I flash back for a second. So a couple days before, I remember waking up and I was late to go to school and I missed my bus. And again, my mom was up really late into the night. So she wasn't just like up in the morning. So I went and like woke up my mother and asked if she could like right. drive me to school. I was like, I would miss my bus. I'm sorry. And she's like, eh. I'm like, what? You want me to fail school? Like, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. And she was like, okay, okay. But she was like taking her time. And I was like, come on, we got to go. I'm going to miss first period. She's like, it's your fault. Like, you know, you got to go on my schedule yeah. now. And I'm like, it's not funny. Like, this is school. Like, yeah. you know, she, she's like, well, you know, we, I can't just leave your grandmother here. So we got to get her ready too. I'm like, oh God. So I'm getting my grandmother ready to come with. And then anyways, I just remember it took forever. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll make it still the part of first period. And I remember on the way we like, she stopped for coffee at Tim Hortons. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, like, she's like, I need my car. She was addicted to Tim Hortons. I'm like, could you get this afterwards? She's like, yeah, look, this is my time you're on right now. So you just got I'm like, oh my God. So we're like waiting yeah. for Tim Hortons. <laughs> but anyways, on that drive, yeah. I remember her just kind of casually telling me, she was like, I think I have a, a blood clot. Oh, geez. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what? I was like, that sounds bad. She's like, yeah. well, you know, I had, uh, yeah. it turns out she actually had one of these a long time ago when she was um oh. having my youngest brother she was pregnant with him, like and she said she, I remember her saying like oh it almost yeah. killed me or something I'm like is that bad she's like well I'll go to the doctor later and I'll I'll, I'll see I'm like okay it sounded so casual yeah anyways she apparently did go later and okay basically the doctor gave her some blood thinners and was like if it gets any worse like oh. just then go to the hospital Sure. Okay. So anyways, I remember the night of Passover, it was, she was in some pain. She was like, not feeling great. And my dad was like, maybe you should go to the hospital. And my mom's like, yeah, uh, I'll go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic. She wanted to do the pass the Seder. She didn't want to. So. Oh, geez. I should say to this day, my dad, at the time he was blaming himself. Like he should have, I remember he told the rabbi at one point, he was like, I should have, I should have pushed her. I should have made her go to the hospital. And the rabbi's like, you know, the rabbi, Rabbi Laser. Yeah, yeah. He was like, Larry, since when have you ever been one to push anyone to do anything? That's not who you are. Yeah. You're not that type of person. And that's a good thing. You know, that was a very sweet thing to say. Yeah. Anyways, I'm getting both behind and ahead of myself. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, going back. So my dad calls. We talk about how they said it was a blood clot in her leg. And that's what it was. It was a, she had a pulmonary embolism. I don't know if you know what that is at all. But she basically, there was a, 
a blood clot in her leg and a piece broke off and it went to her lungs. Okay. By the way, I should say, it turns out that um, we actually have this, this thing in our family. It's called factor five Leiden. Oh. It's like a, your blood is more likely to clot kind of a thing. Hmm. How do you know? At the time, I didn't know. We didn't know. My cousins told me about this and I had a 50% chance of having this thing. Oh, wow. And it, actually my uncle, I think he died from my mother's brother. It was not that long ago. He died from something similar. And my grandfather also, he, I think he had, a, they gave him like blood thinners. I think from what I heard, I could be wrong. Yeah. They gave him blood thinners for this thing. And then he, the blood thinners caused a, it led to a brain hemorrhage and he died from that. Oh. So we had, there was this thing in our family. I didn't know. Yeah. I remember going back and getting checked and I was thought, I was like, I'm certain that I, for some reason I was certain I had it. It's a 50% chance I have it for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the same, yeah. like 50% chance, hundred percent yes. chance I have it then. It turns out I didn't, I don't, they said I don't have it. Oh. That's good. But my brothers have never gotten checked. And of my cousins and my, my mom's brother, her kid, the one who died, his kids, two of them mm. have it, two of them don't. Oh, okay. And you just have to, there's nothing you can do if you have it. They say if you're on a plane, take an aspirin. It's a bit of a blood thinner, you know, just in case. Oh. Pressure or whatever. How do you check for it? There's a blood test. Like a blood yeah, there's a test. I had to pay a hundred bucks to find out. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. It's worth it. No. And then you find out what can you really do? Right? So just try to not be out of shape. And It's good to know. <laughs> Be on the lookout. Yeah. So anyway, going back to this phone call I had with my dad, he's like, I guess we should tell, we have to tell people. Again, these are the things, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> one part of the story I'm telling you here is the trauma of what happened, but these are the, it's these other things that are also very, that stick with me. Yeah. We determined, we have to tell people what happened. And my dad was so broken. He couldn't like, yeah. even think he didn't know how to, where to begin. And I was like, don't worry, dad, I'll do it. He's like, you will. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. You stay at the hospital, do whatever you got to do. So I immediately had to pick up a phone and start calling people to tell them oh at four or five in the morning, whatever it was at the time, five and six in the morning. So yeah. I'm like, okay. So I first person, of course, I call is my mom's brother, my uncle to tell them what happened. And I, again, it's early there. They're in Buffalo, New York. I, I'm like, hi, <laughs> like, Uncle Michael. Hey, how are you <laughs> yeah. doing? Oh, that's news. <laughs> yeah, hey. That's uh, so news. I, like, you may want to be sitting down. I was like, so I have something to tell you. I Again, it was so awkward. I didn't realize like, while I was saying it, how do you say this? I was like, so my, um, yeah. my, or my our, our mom uh, uh, died this morning. Yeah. Jeez. Immediately, my uncle's response was just like, what? What? Like, how, you know, like, will we, and immediately they were like, we'll be right over. We're coming. Oh. Okay. And again, they were in Buffalo four hours away. So they mm -hmm. got in a car and they were on their way. And I thought, okay, like I've done this now once I can, it's good I family. Can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've done this once I can do this again. This is like a thing, like I'm building up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to call my dad's sister, my aunt Sheila. Mm. I remember calling her and be like, Hey, aunt Sheila. And she's like, Josh. And I'm like, yeah. And she's yeah. like, what do you do? It's so early. What are you calling me so early? I'm like, I'm sorry. I have to call you. She's like, do you realize what time it is? Like, it's really early. I'm like, I know oh I have to call you for some chick. It's really, I just, I don't know why you would be calling me at this. And I'm like, I know I just, I, just, I have oh to, God. she's like, okay, just so you understand, like, this is really early. You shouldn't be calling people at this time. I, I get oh it. My God. I'm like, there's something I have to tell you. She's like, well, what, what do you have to tell me? What's going on? What? I'm like, so uh, our, our, mo our mom, uh, mother died this morning and she went, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a kind of a strange I know that that's what you say, like when somebody you don't know, 
like like a friend or something you tell someone right. like yeah my grandpa died you know oh I'm sorry to hear that you know yeah but like I just told her my mom died and she was like oh I'm that's, I'm really sorry I'm sorry to hear that pretty and I was like yeah are you yeah <laughs> are you sure and she was like well you know she was she's been sick for a while right and I'm like uh not that I know of no I didn't know that she's like yeah you know with the, yeah. with the Alzheimer's and and I was like <gasps> oh, oh. I was like, she thought it was no I was like no no that's I said my my mother she's like yeah your grandmother I was like no no my mother she's like your grandmother she's with Alzheimer's I'm like yeah she has Alzheimer's I'm talking about my mother she's like no no you mean your grandmother I'm like no I'm telling you're not telling me I'm telling you my mother died <laughs> my grandmother she's she's like what about your grandmother I'm like she's fine she's upstairs she's fine she's <laughs> she's, playing cards she's like I don't understand what are you saying I'm like so this is the right response, right? Oh, so this makes way <laughs> this more makes sense. This makes way more okay, sense. But yeah. Again, it's a Coen Brothers movie. So again, first it's hard for me to say, and I'm like, no, listen, my mother's dead. My grandmother's alive, but she, my mother's dead. She's gone. She died. She's she's no more, but my grandmother. It, <laughs> it went from being like difficult emotionally to like get that kind of thing yeah. to being just like really difficult <laughs> to actually just communicate. Exactly. To again, yeah. again, that's oh, not, yeah. this is the stuff yeah. that, Again, when I make a movie about it, it might be in the movie. All right. So I went through a list and eventually some people started showing up at the house. And do you know Darlene Zaifman? That looks right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So she was the first one, I think, to show up at the house. Mm. It was very sweet. And my mom's friend Penny Van Lira also showed up right. and Marnie Richmond. And yeah, again, they were all, you know, trying to being motherly and trying to be there for us. The kids, everyone was talking about the Lippman boys, right? All three of, you know. And um, my dad was kind of checked out both physically and mentally at the moment. Yeah. It was a very strange time. I just remember then, so my grandmother had this caregiver that would come by and my grandmother was still asleep upstairs. Like she hadn't gotten up yet. Again, this is my mother's mother. Yeah. And my grandmother's caregiver was like this bubbly woman, super bubbly. And she shows up at the door. I remember we have to like tell her like my dad's there and I'm trying to like figure a way to like, she's like, oh, hi, you know, super bubbly. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad basically is the one who was just like, Jeanette died this morning. Oh my gosh. He just says this. And I just remember her bubbly demeanor just dropping yeah. like a block of ice. And she goes, fuck. And I was like, oh, I hadn't seen that side of her before. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I like you way better now, <laughs> bubbly. <laughs> my dad's like, and we want you to, um, could you please not tell Alice? Alice is my grandmother. Oh, okay. Please don't tell Alice what happened. And she's like, okay, you know, she's just doing whatever she's told. Anyway, she helps, I guess she goes upstairs and eventually my grandmother comes down and my grandmother sees all these people here in the house and she's thinking there's a party. (laughs) She was just like, what are all these people here? Like, what's going on? And we just didn't tell my grandmother what happened. Like ever? No. Well, I mean, you would have had to tell her over and over again, right? Like she would Maybe. So here's what we determined. Again, this was a real moral question that we had. And I made a movie about it, actually. It's called After Rachel. You can check it out online. Okay. It's actually a good movie. um, Or at least based on about that idea. Different. That was more about a guy whose wife dies and he has to, he hides the truth from his father-in-law who has Alzheimer's. So similar. Mm. And there's a real question of here, like, should we have told her? But again, she was pretty far gone. But that was, that always came, you know, she, she always asked, where's Jeanette? Where's Jeanette? Where's your mother? I said, she's at the store. She's, uh, oh, she's out getting groceries or getting gas or I just come up with something. She'll be back mm-hmm. later, which again is, it's one thing for her, but it's another thing. It's what it's doing to us every time we have to. I was thinking more of that. <laughs> That's, I mean, she might, 
yeah, it might kind of slide off because I, I mean, I don't know how far, but for you to have to keep lying about that is pretty intense. Now. Yeah, it's strange, right? Yeah. But anyway, we only had to do that for a week because my uncle came and took her away to a home in, I think, Buffalo. Okay. But during that week, I should mention that later in the week, she found a letter of condolence from somebody and she read it and she was, and she turned to me and she said, what's going on? And I'm like, what are you talking, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, where's Jeanette? I'm like, she's out. He's like, where is she? I'm like, grandma, don't worry about it. Like, she's, it's fine. She's like, there is something you are not telling me. And she sounded lucid for a moment. Like, she's like, what are you not telling yeah. me? I'm like, Tell me now. She was like, her voice was shaking. I'm like, grandma, everything's fine. And I just walked away. I just couldn't deal with oh, that. No. And anyway, she was taken away to a home. Yeah. And we only, I only talked to her once more. I got a call from her from the home uh, a couple months later, I think it was. And on the phone, she, my uncle was like, you want to talk to your grandmother? And I was like, sure. And she was like, hey. she's like, so how, how's Jeanette? How's your mother? Where's, where's Jeanette? And that's what she was left with. So it seemed like she knew for a moment and then I don't know. And then she died not long after that. And she went to two funerals and <laughs> in a very short span of time. Uh, but anyway, going back. So yeah. that day was uh, pretty crazy. But anyway, I call that day. I, I think I said this on the podcast before, but I call that day my day of thinking. Basically, I, I wanted to like figure it all out in my head that day like I wanted like plan out how I was going to be I I had this idea in my mind that I was going to be this person that was going to deal with it in a good way in a healthy way and I I mentioned before too there's some complicated aspects to this because again my mother was not always the nicest person to say it lightly and we were dealing with the fact that suddenly my brothers were like like we were able to do whatever we wanted play video games as much as we wanted we could watch things and I felt guilty about a lot of that right right of course yeah. You know, my dad wasn't stopping me from doing anything. I didn't, I didn't have to go to bed. I didn't have to do anything. I could have just left and come back whenever I wanted. There was no rules. All the rules went out the window. At some point, that might have been a dream, right? Not like this, right? The next day, I remember thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go to school. I was excited because I had like a drama play. I had a play I was going to put on in drama class. And I was excited to do yeah. this play. I think it wasn't a play. It was a monologue. I remember reading it to my mother too beforehand. And she said it was good. Like she was, I remember oh. reading her my monologue. And asking her what she thought. I totally forgot that I did that actually till just now. But yeah, I did. I read her, I read her this monologue. I was playing some like British soldier or something. I don't know. So I had to practice it on the Monday. Again, so she died on a Sunday or Saturday night. Like now was Sunday was our day of dealing with it. And then Monday was school. And I went to school in the morning on Monday. And apparently yeah. one of my mom's friends had called the school just to say we, I, we weren't going to school. She just assumed we weren't going to school. And I was yeah. like... So I didn't, I was like, of course I'm going to school. I didn't want to just sit at home and be depressed and think, you know, I wanted to go to school. Yeah. That's almost worse potentially. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I went to school. And so each class, the teachers seemed to have been called to the office partway through the class and came back. I remember my drama teacher going to the office and coming back and he said, Josh, what are you doing here? Oh my God. See, this episode is about drama. Um. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And at least I like how honest he was. Because a lot of teachers would just not even say anything. Yeah, yeah. But he was like so dramatic, like his real drama yeah, teacher. He was like, yeah. what are you what doing What are you here? doing? And I was like, he's like, what? Do you want to be here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, I was like, yeah, well, let me, I just want to be here. I want to do my work. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, Are you usually good at compartmentalizing like that? Yes. I'm. A, that's something I've been known to do is be pretty good at compartmentalizing. At least I used to. I don't know if I've changed. Yeah. But um, this was my first real test of it I think yeah and in every class like the teacher would be like I just 
should you be here right now? I'm like, don't worry. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, news was spreading around the school too. Josh's mom just died. Yeah. Anyway, I went, I remember Tuesday was the next day was the funeral. As you know, us Jews, we don't embalm the body or anything like that. You got to get it buried really fast. So just two days later, right? But I still wanted to go to school because Tuesday was the day of my monologue. So it was in first period, the monologue. So I thought, I asked my dad, like, can I just do my monologue and then go to the funeral? And because it was a little later, right? The funeral. And he said, okay. So I, he, he went and peeped. Was the funeral in the evening? I don't actually, it it obviously, I think it went towards the evening. Yeah. More in the evening. Okay. I, I don't know. I had to go. I went to the funeral pretty shortly after my first period. I don't know. I remember doing that monologue and I did really well. I remember getting like almost a hundred percent on it. Now it took me years to then realize I'm like, wait a second, maybe the teacher was just, I'm like, did I do that well? Or was the teacher feeling a little (laughs) bad for me? But literally the, the, how well Uh, I did on that monologue literally pushed me (laughs) to like continue and drum. You know, I remember thinking, I I feel really confident about this. I should keep going down this path of the arts. (laughs) It might've been one of the reasons I, I went into filmmaking. Maybe we would have gone to 94. Still would have been pretty good. Or right. maybe, who knows? Or 70. No. <laughs> I did my best, but I like. <laughs> I'm sure it was good. I'm sure it was fine. I got I a mean, 98%. I remember I got 98% on this thing. That's a awesome. specific number yeah. if you think about it for a monologue. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So maybe he was like, I got to take two so he doesn't think it's. Like... Yeah. I don't want to be the bearer of that. I don't want to make any assumptions here. I don't want to so. make him to think I gave it to him for free. So let's... to give him a 98, not 100. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100 too obvious. Yeah. I should note it was snowing the day my mom died, which was weird, right? Even my dad, I remember telling him this. We talked about this and my dad was like, that is kind of weird. My dad was not a religious person or anything, but even he was like, that's kind of, it's kind of yeah. weird just that day. Yeah. And then it was raining at the funeral. Yeah. And so I don't know if you, have you uh, heard this term before, you know what pathetic fallacy is? Yes. Yeah. It's when like the environment reflects how you feel on the inside. Exactly. So this was like real case of pathetic fallacy, like snowing the night my mom died and raining at the funeral. Yeah. Everything seemed to reflect that. I just remember like my uncle got us like a limousine, and it smelled like cigarettes. <laughs> we were in this black limo. Like apparently that's what you do. You go go into the funeral. Also, I remember yeah. like take, my my uncle was a very he was like a very reserved kind of person, very sweet, but very kind of kept things to himself. And I yeah, like I knew we weren't we were close enough. I, I'd go visit him and stuff. I didn't really know him, right? I just remember like leaving to get in the car, I guess, to go. And he was like, grab a jacket. I was like, don't, I'm fine. I'm not that cold. He's just, just, he's like, grab a jacket. And I'm like, it's okay. I don't need a jacket. And he like turned. He's like, get a jacket now. And he'd never in his life ever talked to me like this. Yeah. I suddenly realized he was very like, that's what he was holding in. Like and his sister just died and his younger sister. Uh, yeah. And again, my mom was like, what, 48 years old, I think at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. my uncle was trying to be someone to try to, you know, he had to take care of a lot himself. There was a lot to take care of. I didn't understand with my dad and my uncle and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so we went to the funeral. So you've been to any, you've been to some Jewish funerals before, right? You know, the yeah. part where the immediate family like shovel. Uh, yeah, you have to shovel in. Dirt, yeah. So we, my brother and I, we also turned shoveling dirt yeah. onto my mom's, onto the casket in the grave. I remember even my, my sensei at Aikido, he used to take Aikido. He showed up at the funeral, like all these people showed up and I never went to Aikido again. Oh. I, I was a brown belt in Aikido. That stopped. We couldn't, you know, it was too much to do. Oh. I used to. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it stopped. Yeah, it then. stopped. Yeah. It stopped after that. Anyway, so that's that story. I mean, there's still there's more things that happen after, but it took a while. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah. No, it's good. I mean, it's good, but like, 
it's a detailed story. I, you remember a lot when stuff like that happens. Though. Just to add to what happened, my music teacher, who I've had since I was four years old, from four until I was 16, and he would come over to my house every two weeks. I mean, he's very close with my mother. My mother liked him a lot. And, mm. you know, he continued to teach us uh, music. He'd come over to the house still afterwards. He was teaching me, I think, guitar mm. by this point, actually. He used to be piano. And just for a few weeks. And I remember thinking like, this was something that was still keeping me like going, not that I wasn't going, but like, it was very therapeutic for me to continue doing music lessons. Yeah. And then not long, just not long after that, my music teacher ended up getting arrested on 18 sex charges against children. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and I remember my dad being like, Josh, come upstairs and read this. And it was in the paper. And we were like, what? And we didn't want to believe it at first. And yeah, he basically, yeah, he ended up, uh, moving to the the province where the charges stemmed from and I never saw him again and I was dealing I remember thinking like oh my god at least my mom didn't have to <laughs> see this yeah but there was just like a bunch of things started to shatter a lot of images my image of this like family unit yeah. and of people right like it was just a very a lot of changes were going on and I started questioning life and and you know what life was all about and mortality kind of like Pierce was talking about in the episode we talked about his dad's death yeah so it was yeah did it change a lot of how you think or how you approach life yes everything kind of changed for me actually <laughs> so I think about it I think I became did it change how I approach life I, I think there was just something missing before that again when you have an ex- people haven't experienced a sense of mortality it kind of just hits you whether you realize it or not, like you're going to die. Like we hear it, but you really know it. Like people around you are going to die and you're going to die and you, you don't have a lot of time and it can happen at any time. You start thinking about your priorities and what matters in life. You know, what's weird on, on a different level, I should say, I didn't react at the time in a way that was like, again, I didn't cry, whatever. It took me a little while. It took me like a day or two before. I think I was at night and I just started thinking about it and I started crying in bed. But I hadn't responded that way. I was in such a like a pragmatic mode. But I remember there's certain times and that things kind of hit you. I remember when I came back from school. So my brothers were in elementary school still. They were still at our Hebrew school where we went, you and I went. I was in grade 10 at high school, but my middle brother was two years younger. So he was in grade eight at the Hebrew school still. So I was at high school and I would come home before them. I would come home and my dad would be at work. He never went on that work trip, by the way. <laughs> he canceled that work trip. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, as soon as I walked in the door, I hear my mother yell from upstairs, Josh, how was school today? Hmm. And I answer, it's good. It's fine. And I remember walking in the door for the first time after this happened and it was just silent. That was like that, that hit me. There's been a change. Things are different now. I should also mention, by the way, speaking of my, my father's uh, <laughs> work thing, remember I said it, it seems suspicious to those guys so they actually they did an autopsy yeah. on my mother which they only do if they suspect potential foul play yeah and so my dad to this day is sore about this wow like he's like they think what do they think i did yeah oh my god your dad's like yeah, the night like so sweet and he, he, like i was like dad, he's like, no they think i'm like that they just have to they have to look into it don't worry it's not a personal thing he's like no they think I, yeah I'm like, no, they didn't they didn't think you did anything. They just don't know, you know, maybe they saw the back bags. I don't know. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe they do it more often if it's, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to weigh in on that, but. You're like, you're like, I don't, it, I think it just, there was enough there to, to check, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's that story. Um, 
Yeah. Dr. Ishai, thanks for listening. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, thank you. For, no, serious. But <laughs> I know we both deal with things with uh, humor. I think your humor is quite dark, even for for me. Sometimes I can't. Right. I can't always. You've got. Um, I make a lot of people feel uncomfortable with my humor sometimes because it's true. It's a defense <laughs> mechanism, right? But also, life is absurd. Look for I, sure. Yeah. Look what I told you. Look, I told you about my aunt and how she responded. Like that's. Yeah objectively funny that is objectively funny it's dark it's 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 in the context of something upsetting but it's objectively funny and the truth is life is absurd and using humor to deal with it is to me very natural in fact it's a very healthy way to deal with it because how do you it's it's so absurd that you have to kind of laugh at at the absurdity of it all and there's there's more stories like that I mean my my grandmother thinking it was a party or whatever yeah yeah. uh, (laughs) I mean if it weren't in the context yeah it is it is healthy, I mm-hmm. assume, to laugh at the darkest things. I hope it is, because that's my go-to as yeah. well, generally. But the so. things that and the things that stick with me were just like the way that I still remember at that at that dinner table, my grandma, my you know, my mother saying, "Let her read," because she's not going to be with us next year, and it being my mother. Yeah, she didn't know that she was. Wasn't. That's not going to be. I mean, yeah. I guess both of them weren't because my grandmother died too. But it was just these things yeah. they stay with you. And you know, what a weird thing is, I had a dream about a week before this happened. I had a dream that my mom died and it was so visceral using that word again. Uh, it was so visceral. I remember waking up thinking it really happened. And then I had to like remind myself, Oh, it's fine. She's still alive. It's just a dream. It was just oh, a dream. Geez. And then, and then it happened. And I remember, Hey, of course I have friends. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you know what that means? Like, I'm like, I don't think it means anything, but anyway. Well, you, you are very dismissive of dreams yeah, normally dreams. in don't a way. Right? It's just whatever you're thinking about tends to be what you dream about in my opinion, but or subconsciously or consciously. Yeah. But maybe. speaking of things that happened before that, I, I want do you remember Robin Sass? Yeah. So I also remember, again, these are just weird things that happened. I remember two days before my mom passed. So Robin's dad died. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my brother from what my brother had said, he wasn't doing very well. He was kind of acting out. Like it was very difficult for him. And my brother was friends with Robin and he didn't, he basically came to my mother and I was just there when he came to my mother on the couch. And he was like, you know, Robin's dad died. And what do I say to him? What do I do? Like, how do, how do I, how do I, and my mother was like trying to explain to my brother what to do to be there for someone who's lost a parent. And two days later he, he lost the parent, you know? Oh my gosh. And I remember it was, it was very different for, for, you know, the last experience I had with my mother was she said, I love you to me. That's the last thing she said, despite yeah. all the issues I had with my mother. And I've talked about that before. She said, I love you. I think the last interaction my brother Daniel had was he got grounded. Oh, he didn't wake up before she. Um... I mean, he didn't, she didn't, she didn't have any, as far as I know, she didn't have any sort of interaction. There wasn't an I love you to him. It wasn't like oh, that. You know? Yeah. I could be wrong, but that was his, his experience yeah. was very different there. To this day, I mean, I can see the nuance with my mother a little bit. I mean, she definitely, I mentioned before, I think she could be kind of abusive. She had kind of an authoritarian, um, these authoritarian tendencies. But my brother, I hope it's okay to say this on here, but like my brother will say things like, I'm happy she's dead. That's how bad it was. That's how, that's his perspective of her. But I think sometimes that extreme response is also, is a way to deal with it because of that cognitive dissonance that you feel. And I felt a lot of cognitive dissonance. And I mean, also the fact that he was left with probably like really conflicting. I mean, you all were, but if he was grounded, but now he also lost his mother. Yeah. And it's like, 
it's so much easier to be angry than anything else. Exactly. Who, who to be angry at, right? That's the problem. In fact, he directed a lot of it at me because he thought I was trying to be kind of like mom after this. I remember there was a point, for example, where he, I remember, him, I think something like this happened where he, he went, and my brother got into some, without going into detail, he got into some uh, shady stuff um, afterwards. He went down a certain path. But I remember him like going out and I was like, aren't you grounded? You know, like after this, he's like, what, what are you going to do about it? Like, I'm like, aren't you, in my mind, I'm like, is he still grounded if my mom's dead? Like, <laughs> like, is it just like indefinite? Cause she's not there to unground him. So like, no, 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 it was, I think it was right. It was, that was shortly after. Oh, it was like still the amount of time. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm like, aren't you still, it wasn't like, she's not here to unground you. So you're grounded indefinitely. That, or maybe there was just some rule he was breaking. I can't remember the exact details, but I questioned it. It's like, well. What are you going to do? Like, I think, you know. Yeah. But anyway, you know, that spot of blood on the carpet that remember I told you where she, her lip, it stained the carpet there. And I think to this day, there's still, there's still a stain there. And every time I go, so I'd be triggered every time I by that, uh, that spot. And I like right there, all the memories would, would come back to me there. And I'd be, um, I did some, I used to do like push-ups around that spot, like motivation. I said, is that weird? I used to do, again, there's all these things. Like I just, it was like a mode. It was like a strange, I don't know. I get, it worked me up, I guess, you know. That's actually not strange, I think, because you'd be like. No, Dr. Rishai? I mean, you're reminded of this crazy thing that happened and then your body's like in flight mode. Maybe. And then you need to get it out. So you start doing push-ups. Flight mode. Yeah. Like, you know, fight. Flight, fight or flight freeze what's this Aya tell me about fight this flight. well I don't think we segue from a deeply emotional I'm segueing it personal story <laughs> you're are you, you can do it. you're the queen well, but of I have a question okay, for you first question? I'm the queen <laughs> we'll get back to the, the four f's we'll get we'll get four f's that sounds dirty uh <laughs> and we're into the joke <laughs> section of this podcast I do want to ask you well because you're you just said that your brother um kind of started to see you as trying to like take sort of the mom yeah spot not spot but like there are a few times in that story where it seemed like people were confused about who was the parent like in a way mm-hmm. so well, I we, mean we, there was a there was a hole there was a real like what do you call it there was a void of that role right in our house yeah but even so uh you being the one to call right, one yeah. well maybe that less than them not knowing if you were going to go to the hospital with her why wouldn't it just be okay. the husband I guess they were worried about leaving you at home with your brothers but like I don't actually I didn't know the answer but I also think my dad had a lot of indecision about what to do in a moment mm-hmm. and that would right prompt, yeah maybe he should like there was a certain right my dad was so I to looking back that's in some ways one of the most traumatic elements of this to me was the reaction was seeing how my dad responded to things like it really broke him and I think he hasn't yeah. really been the same since there was something I'll be honest I think my mother didn't always treat my dad very well to be nice about that uh and and I yeah. think there's certain things that actually got better over time for him too because I don't I don't know if he ever would have left that relationship which he probably should have not that this is the way it should have happened but again these are these cog- the cognitive dissonance about it all right yeah. but uh he was really broken after that and you're right. There was this at a lot of different times. Who's being what's who's the parent here? Right. That was a, a real question. I had this kind of sense that I wanted to prove that I, you know, when she passed, I wanted to prove that I, like I said, my mother was very strict to the point of being abusive. And she had all these really crazy rules 
I'll give you an, let me give you an example of something she did here too. Cause this was, yeah. I think I brought it up before, like what, how she could be right. I remember we, I, met, I just mentioned Aikido. Mm-hmm. I remember once when we finished up, my mother would pick us up from Aikido. Sometimes it was my father, but my mother would pick us up often and my brothers and I, we were all at Aikido and we would, you know, it would end and we would leave and go to the car and she'd drive us home. Anyways, we were leaving, my brothers left and, but they were cleaning up the mats and they asked me, Josh, could you stick around for a minute and just help us clean up the mats? And I'm like, I looked out the window and I could see out the window that my mother's car was waiting there. And I was like, oh, my mom's just waiting outside. And they're like, could you just, it'll just take a minute. We could really use your help. I was like, okay. Was it a blue minivan? For some reason, I'm just picturing that. We had a red minivan. Red minivan. Oh, so silly. Okay. I wonder if we had a blue one a long time ago. But anyway, I remember putting like a, just like a finger up, like, hold on one second through the window. I'll be mm-hmm. right there. And I helped them put away the mats and they were very thankful. And then I ran out to the mm-hmm. car and I got in the car and my mom was like, you're grounded. And I was like, what? And she's like, we're sitting here waiting for you. And you're in there fooling around. And I was like, oh no, I, I wasn't fooling around. They asked me if I could, she's like, that's another day you're grounded. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 you understand. They asked me to help with the match. And she's like, there's another day, keep talking back. And I kept trying to explain to her that they just asked me for help and she didn't care. And she just kept grounding me more and more. And I was grounded for I don't know, weeks or something like that for um, helping trying to, and back. talking back and for and helping trying to help. and then try and explain yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And this was not a once in a while thing. This is a typical kind of reaction. She could over, uh, over punish and things like that. Again, that's just one little example, but the truth is I was often before this had happened, I had been traumatized by my mother's, punitive nature right and we talked about this a little before too yeah the bullying episode you know my mother was, could be a bully and bullying is traumatizing too. I got bullied at school I got we mentioned that before that was really that was traumatizing in fact for a lot of people you know <laughs> we can we say the word bullying I think it's more it's abuse you know and that kind of abuse can there's people out there that there's kids out there they take their own lives when things like that happen like it's extremely traumatic and you know when I look back at the things that traumatized me, my mother's death is just one of them, you know, the bullying and my mother's nature was also traumatic. So it's a lot of cognitive dissonance there. Yeah. Do you think you're, you seem pretty resilient, I think from the outside, at least you've got like a real resilience. Do you, do you see yourself that way? I guess it's all relative, right? I mean, I guess what is, resi- what is, well, it's an example of not, well, why do you say that? Well, you just said that the way that people normally deal with these things or not the way that people normally deal with things. Yeah, no. that was the wrong. <laughs> I <No>. mean, <laughs> so you've gone through very clearly multiple, very clear traumatic experiences. You were kind of parentified a little bit earlier. Parentified. Interesting. So meaning I had to kind of be, take on this role of parents sometimes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I want to, I want to point out, I had a, I finally, maybe a couple of years later, whatever, years later I finally had this talk with my brother because my brother I could tell he had this he shifted his resentment toward my mother to me because I was you know whether it made Mm. sense or not so he basically he he was rebelling against me instead of my mother right before he was rebelling against my mother you know the stuff he was getting into yeah now he's rebelling against me and I remember just turning to him and being like who am I to rebel against (laughs) like I'm not worth rebelling against I'm not your parent I don't, I'm not like, I'm not this figure. I'm just, I'm like you, I'm growing up, I'm a kid. I'm trying to figure things out. I'm not worth rebelling against. And I think ever since then, he and I, something shifted. It like clicked and our relationship got better after that ever since then. 
He probably didn't even realize he was doing that. It's possible, it yeah. Like I mean, I displaced. And it's like, possible that I was being a little like I remember thinking there was a dirge of discipline in our family because again, I didn't like how my mother was being, but I also was wondering like, is it right that we have no rules whatsoever? So I would take it upon myself to be mm-hmm. like, should you be doing this? Should you be doing that to my brother? Like, are you sure that's a good idea? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but on my hand, I think I was mentioning this before. I kind of wanted to prove I could still succeed without my mother's punishments and all that stuff, right? And I, I think in some ways I did. Like I, I got good grades at school. I got into university. I, I didn't need her to be over, that overbearing, you know. That being said, I like I said before, I messed up my sleep and all this other stuff. Like going to bed whenever I wanted. So that those were my little right. rebellions. But you wanted to prove that those were not helpful. That those were not exactly. the reason that you were doing well. That you would have done well anyway. That's what I kind of wanted to prove. And so part of me in the way that I responded afterwards, you're talking about my resilience or whatever, there's a part of me yeah. that wanted to have something to prove that I could. So again, there's so many, it's a lot deeper, right? Just hearing someone's mom died, you're resilient. Well, everybody's context is a little different, right? Right. My context, it was, it's almost like, see mom. Yeah. I didn't need you to ground me every week. <laughs> I didn't want you to have to die to realize it, but it's a yeah. weird thing to say, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a part of me, one of the big wishes I have is I wish she was here. So I could talk to, so I could confront her about some of this stuff. I've said that before, yeah. maybe. I really wish she could see, you know, I, I could just, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of my trauma has to do with dealing with that cognitive dissonance of, of, of her, her punishments and then losing her as, and again, she was the rock of our family. Like I said, she kept, she was the, the parent yeah. of the family. You know, the big joke is that my dad was like another one of the kids, you know, he's not, he wasn't, of course, he was the one who, my dad was the one, was the, was the bread winner. He was the one who went to work and made money for the mm. family. And he'll, he'll remind you of that, <laughs> you know, he worked right. multiple jobs to do that, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm resilient. I, I just, because again, my, my situation is a little different. And again, I'm not a, I'm not an, yeah. like we said, I'm not an authority on trauma in general, just my own. And I guess we're saying, what is, what is trauma, right? It's like an emotional response to like a terrible situation, right? So yeah, these situations I continue to like pass over. It, it was a traumatic event that it triggers these, these, these memories and, and feelings. And sometimes, you wanna hear something weird? I- Yes. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I do. Always. I, over time, and this is the scary thing, I've forgotten her face a little bit. I've forgotten, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, I know what she looks like, but I forgot that I had forgotten the details because when you don't see someone for, I, it turns out this is a thing. Yeah. You haven't seen them for a while. And then you've, you've, you've and that was, that was really disconcerting to me after some time that I started to lose that image in my mind. And then one day I remember I had a dream. I dreamt about her again. I dreamt that, I think I had some dream that like she, she wasn't really dead. She was the whole time she was faking it. She faked her death or something. And she was really here. And I, I found her and she ended up coming back and we started a relationship again. And she was, uh, we were adults and everything was better again. You know, I had a dream like this. And, but the weird thing about this dream is that uh, her face was so present to me again. And I woke up seeing her face clearly again. So it's not like dreams don't do, uh, don't do anything. Yeah, sometimes they do something. Sometimes they can do something. Yeah. Your unconscious was like, here you go. Yeah. I know you forgot this, but (laughs) you said you wanted to talk to her so you could like confront her, but that's not the only thing you would talk to her about, is it? 
you don't just want to talk to her so don't you also want to show her your films or like yes of talk course to her I want about her to, what you've done yeah the, the, you know I'm missing a mother in my life you know and I that really hits me at times you know it hits me more too because you know I love my dad and he's wonderful but there's a certain aspect to him that he's not like he's not a very sentimental person he's it doesn't come easy to him to say I love you you know my mom it did she would say I love you all the time she would um again she had these two sides to her right but again the type of person where I could show her my movie then again I don't know if she would have supported me going into filmmaking <laughs> I don't know I like to imagine I still <laughs> you never know, yeah, part yeah. of the reason I went into what I went into is my experiences led me led me here right mm-hmm. but uh yeah um I I would really love to not just have that conversation with, with her and confront her. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to have a mother. <laughs> I'd like to have someone I could show my movies to and ask for advice. And, you know, in some ways I feel I did grow up missing some of that after that. Again, I was 16. Uh, and also because my dad checked out, sometimes I felt like I grew up without parents around in some ways. My dad was there physically, but not, you know, really emotionally um, at the time. So that would have been, uh, that would have been nice. And yeah, you okay there, I <laughs> This is now, this is a traumatic experience for you. Oh my God. I've traumatized you with my, no, I this is what happens. I tell people the story You're not and I traumatize them with my story. You're not traumatizing me. You just, it's hard to hear. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, don't be. What are you apologizing for? I told you I cry easily. You know, for the longest time, I I felt guilty that I didn't cry that easily at this. You know, I felt like there was something wrong with me because of the way I responded, because of the way I compartmentalized. So, be honest. I mean, when something's happening to me, I don't know that I. It's a different response sometimes. Like it's true. It's easier to like, you know. It's interesting. You know, my. What I didn't bring up during this time is my best friend at the time, Roman. And you want to talk about my resilience? If I have any resilience, it's because I was lucky to have such a great support system and my best friend, especially, and my friends, right? He was there for me. I could just talk to him about it. He was my therapist, you know? And at the time, I didn't realize, like, it was so good for me. How hard must it have been for him, you know? He just kind of had to be there to take that. And he's dealing with kind of the trauma of what happened to me. But it's kind of, a th- in some ways, it's almost thankless. Like, you know, I get to, I'm the victim of this terrible thing that happened to me and everybody's giving me all this attention and all this stuff. And there's a certain, and yet there's these people who, you know, he's, he was just always there for me. And, you know, that was, that must not have been easy too to put up with me dealing with it and talking about this for hours on end. And like, isn't that what friends are though? Like, I that's... mean, you could say what they're for, but it's not, the choice you know (laughs) well no but like is that I would never like as much as I complain about like oh I have to spend time with people too much like if my friend was going through something and they picked me to be the one that they talked to about it I'd be like of course like I don't know maybe that sounds you know to me it wasn't just a single he was my best friend it was every day you know we'd be this was he he, you were going through I went through a year of this with years of you know he was he was just so fair for me and to to a degree, which was, well, that's nice. You know, he never, but you can just appreciate it without feeling bad about it. I, I think ultimately, yeah, I, I, I just really appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I, it Aww. was, it was, and it really, I think that's part of the answer. I think 
that resilience you're talking about. It's, it's not just me, you know, I was able to diffuse my pain and trauma right. amongst my, my friends and support system. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. But the truth is when you diffuse your pain like that, right. They're taking on some of it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's so funny as I was talking to you about him, he just like popped up on me. I never see him <sighs> pop up. I think it's one of these online things. He just game things. He just popped up his Uh-oh. name. Sorry. You were saying, Oh, well, like, there's a book that's pretty well known in terms of like trauma and the author is like kind of a big author for like veteran or soldiers who deal with PTSD and it's called the body keeps the score brain mind and body in the healing of trauma Mm. and it talks about how connection even though often what is feared is connection or like kind of being open because that's often where the initial trauma happened a lot of the time the healing comes from mm, human connection it's true. and things like that and so you saying that about roman just kind of i thought that might be apt it is apt you know, we, know we talk about kind of this personal trauma but there's trauma on even like a grander scale too right like you and i are both jews has been mentioned many times are we yeah we're jews i don't know if you knew this what? yeah jew are Jews yeah sometimes I like to tell people they say are you Jewish and I say I'm sorry and I I make people deeply uncomfortable for no good reason maybe this is part of how I respond to Trump anyway uh (laughs) I mean to be fair if they're if they're asking you if you're Jewish and you say I am sorry that's just that's mostly funny that's like 90 percent funny 10 percent um making them feel because they're uncomfortable like no no it's totally fine that you're a Jew why would you think did you think that I anyway uh no it's okay it's like so again in Shit's Creek there's a point where the, the guy is like you need to watch it I know you need to watch this show um the guy's like well you know about bagels because you're uh this is a like a just a guy in the town talking to the main character who's Jewish he's like because you're uh he's like because I'm Jewish and he's like yeah it feels like a bad thing when I say it out loud <laughs> something like that i forget exactly but it's like it feels like a swear it'd be yeah. funny if you said you know about bagels you're like what because i'm a jew and be like no because you you own a, a bread shop like we... oh yeah yeah that would be funny too. Yeah. yeah i mean it was pretty funny the way it was let's not try to fix shit's creek okay you're right it's pretty perfect all right uh, you know me i'm a i'm a i'm always thinking of uh yeah what i do anyway it's literally what you do i'm sure it's great i should watch it yeah you should watch it so what about like generational trauma yeah, I don't know anything about it. We do though. Like, <laughs> joking. We're Jews. Our family. Like, I don't know about your family. My grandparents, including my grandmother, who I brought up in this story, was in Auschwitz. You know, she was. A, she's a Holocaust hmm. survivor. She lost half her family in Auschwitz in the Holocaust. My grandfather as well. This is like there. I always felt like as a people, we've had this like ingrained trauma already. Yeah. Kind of like rooted in our existence and understanding of the world. And when we're taught things, even yeah. Passover itself is talking about a trauma and enslavement of our people. Yeah. The sense of understanding life or death, mortality. Maybe I, I sometimes wonder if it's like, I don't want to say it's like, it's not easier for us, but it's, it's just some. We've practiced a lot. We had a lot of, we had a lot of practice in, in trauma. It's like, we were, it's like it's setting a built up for in, it. Yeah. It's like, we've got a built in, a, uh, or no, not built in. It's, drilled into us young yeah life is hard you will suffer you have suffered yeah and um life sucks so just <laughs> well, uh, i don't think that's the prepared. message no but it, that's this, not we, it yeah we it's not like did it help me is it like oh so i can deal with this like personal trauma that happened to me so easier not necessarily but i mean not in the moment but 
especially afterwards and reflecting on it and putting it into context and the messages that I've gotten growing up. And this is, this is one of the you know big positives. I feel like I had some good tools mm-hmm. of dealing with trauma based on, you know, some of the themes I've learned in life and how to, and how mm-hmm. to deal with that. Some of these positive sort of themes, right. You know, seeing mm-hmm. how my, not to compare scars or anything, but what I went through was nothing compared to what my grandmother went through in the Holocaust. You know what I mean? There's, there's, you know, she lost her, she was 17, like you're older Uh, than me. And she lost both of her parents in the camps. That was, (laughs) she used to tell me, she, she, whenever I talked to my grandmother about this, you know, she, she had these images and memories of babies being burned alive and like horrible, horrible things. I can hardly talk about it, you know, but this is what would come to, you know, it's hard to say, but this is what would come out that's, that's all that, you know, that's trauma, like this is trauma too, but that is trauma, right? That is really, really difficult. uh, It brings up difficult questions too. But I think one of the traumatizing things is you start to question people in life and your your faith in things and good and evil and stuff like that. For sure. I, I have to, I think my brain kind of turns off when this stuff, when we talk about this stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no no it's okay no I'm just appalled because I don't I feel like you're carrying the conversation and I'm like trying to engage I'm your guest for today right (laughs) you're the guest and I'm just like I can't basically today I'm the guest and you're we should have said this (laughs) well we were trying but I'm I'm failing as a host no it's uh you know I'm I'm more I'm only able to really I guess conceptualize trauma when I read about it in books and things I can't really I'm not very good at handling you know real life situations as much in my opinion I go to the abstract so one of the kind of descriptions of how people deal with trauma so like these defensive structures that that people develop there's a book called complex PTSD by Pete Walker and he refers to them as the four f's so the four f's are fight flight freeze and fawn and the cat your categories my categories (laughs) i have an idea of what you are but what do you think you would be out of fight flight flight, freeze freeze or fawn fawn. so this is a general way in which one responds to yeah so people initially it's what you how you would respond in actual dangerous situations but often it's also after people go through trauma it's how they respond to what are perceived threats whether they're actual threats or not, maybe that that's kind of where the you know the triggering happens. But it it's not necessarily right. to an actual threat. But when it's perceived as a threat and you kind of go into an emotional flashback, then these are the defensive structures that pop up. So right. someone who fights, usually they'll be aggressive or they'll have like sort of attack mode. Freeze, just like you know, an animal that just freezes and yeah. hopes that you don't see them if they're kind of and then flights is often run like away. a well a run away or run running so kind of a running response because there are different ways of looking at it okay and but it, it's kind of a hype if i describe it a certain way it'll be, it's more of a hyperactivity I don't know if I okay to describe it that way and then fawn is sort of um trying to appease Right. So it's if, if there's a lion there. So, I mean, these are taken from when there's a real threat. Let's say there's a lion or something like that. It's about to attack you. Are you going to fight it? Are you going to run away? Are you going to freeze and hope it doesn't see you? Or are you going to fawn, like try to like, you know, get it to be your friend or 
try to, oh, I'm just, you know, here to pet you, try to pet it in a certain way. Then I don't know. Mm. That's the, the fun. I see. Okay. Yeah. You know what? So what am I? <laughs> what are you? What? I have I have an idea, but I have to think about this. You have to think have to... do you think you need like a week to think about it? Or <laughs> you know what? This is actually this is actually you know, how long have we been talking now? Probably long enough. Let's why don't we wrap this episode up and we'll continue we'll continue this because this is like this is a big topic. Yeah. I... We'll continue it in a in a part two. That's a good idea. Yeah. So stick around for part two. You know, cliffhanger. Find out which of the four F's is Josh. Find out, yeah. <laughs> Find out next week on the next episode. Well, you know when you ask that question, Stel, which of the four F's is Josh? It just sounds so like, it's right? Just... It sounds, it might, it's just my gutter mind. Okay. Um... I mean, <laughs> which of the four F's? I, I guess I, now it's starting to seem like I should um, feel. And now I'm going to make you think that every time. I'm sorry. Yeah. You've, into something. You're like guiding my mind towards a gutter. And it wasn't even there initially. But, okay, well, look, so part one, basically, I've been your guest here, basically talking about, yeah. you know, my mother's death and all this stuff and, and, uh, and, and how, you know, some of my personal trauma here. And I'm yeah. sure, I mean, for a part two, I have a, <laughs> a whole other story, too. So, oh, good. Okay, um, <laughs> good. I, I look forward to hearing more horrific things that have happened to you. Okay, great. Yeah, they're great. You know, if you want to hear horrible things that have happened to me, I can just go on and no. Yeah. Please. Yeah. To be clear, it's not just the point to tell horrible things, but you know, no. to give person. Oh, that's the best I can do is give you my personal story and examples and how I've yeah. and how I deal with with that. And I mean, this is the best way for us to understand each other, right? Is to to know yeah. what someone else's experience really is, right? You feel closer now? Are we bonding, Aya? Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, no, no. Not okay, maybe you know, part two. After part <laughs> two, you're definitely going to feel bonded. Yeah. I mean, you only brought me to tears, but good. I like making people cry. So, uh, no, I don't. I really do. You know what you did? You apologized, which is craziness. Don't apologize to me for me having a reaction. It's not, you're not (laughs) responsible. I kind of am responsible, though. I asked you these questions. I said, let's talk about this. So, yeah. Anyway, I just want to say sometimes it is hard for me when I'm telling these stories. I, I don't always know how it's coming off either. Like, I'm, but it's not your job to worry about that. You know, it's easy. I, I sometimes get into the details and talking about it. And you, it, there's a certain trauma in it for me, but there is for you hearing it for the first time, you know? So honestly, thank you for sharing all that stuff because I mean, that is so personal. And I think it's difficult to share that kind of thing. I mean, whether you found it difficult or not, I think it can be definitely very difficult to, to share that with who knows how many people. So yeah, thanks, Josh. And don't worry about making me cry i'm well, i'm an easy crier as we've talked about i uh, can't watch other people say things like what did you say there was a line that you said that just kind of hit me but yeah oh well that's so don't, i'll uh it's the power of your ability <laughs> to tell a story oh it's there we go right? it's just my storytelling I mean, really i'm just good you know i'm it's just your storytelling ability manipulative storytelling ability exactly yeah. Okay. You know what? Yeah. Let's wrap up this part and we'll, I'll see if and I can we'll, do it all over again in part two. Yeah. Since apparently I'm the only one with traumatic experiences to share. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll see, but, um, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, should we do that thing? Let's do that thing yeah. real quick. Let's, let's do that thing. Well, thanks for listening, uh, to another episode of adults and friends. 
If you like us, if you're enjoying the episodes, please subscribe, follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Spotify, anything, everywhere. That's where we are. So yeah. yeah. And um, how should we end this thing? I don't know. I think I'm just kind of like talking and then the music sort of... Beep boop 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 bo